Luke chapter 1 will be our first passage this morning. Luke chapter 1, we are still in our study of Christology, what the Bible says about the nature of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, our uh, our statement in our statement of faith uh, concerning Jesus Christ is this on the top of the back page of your bulletin where you can follow along with the lesson this morning. We believe, Lord Jesus Christ, to be God manifest in the flesh, virgin born, without sin, crucified, risen, and coming again to receive His church, then returning to establish His kingdom. This morning we'll focus on the two phrases, virgin born and without sin. Previously we've studied the deity of Jesus Christ, the fact that Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh, as well as the humanity of Jesus Christ, the fact that he was God manifest in a body of human flesh. And the virgin birth of Christ and the sinlessness of Christ are inextricably related to his deity and his humanity, um, meaning that you cannot have a man who is also God without the virgin birth. The dual nature of Jesus Christ hinges on the fact that he was born of a virgin. It is an essential, it is an integral aspect of the nature of the Son of God. It is a doctrine that is very much under attack by modernists and liberals who don't take the Bible literally. They deny the miracle of the incarnation of the Son of God and His virgin birth. But understand this morning, it is clearly established in God's Word, and it is impossible for us to have a Savior outside of his virgin birth. Okay? So it's important that we make up our mind that we do agree with what the Bible says, that Jesus Christ was not just another man born by natural means, but that his birth came without a human father. His the only birth in history that took place without a human father being involved and what we need to do is, number one, make up our minds. We do believe that is what the Bible says. And then number two, we have got to be familiar with where this truth is found in the Word of God. And we've got to be able and willing to defend this important and essential doctrine. So those are our objectives this morning. Luke chapter number one, we will start with the narrative, the account of the angel Gabriel visiting Mary and giving her the news that she is going to have a child. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin. A virgin, this is a young woman who's not married, this is a young woman who's true to God, this is a young woman who is pure and who is faithful. The angel Gabriel came to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. So Mary's in a relationship. Mary is engaged. Mary is going to be married, but she's done this God's way. She's done this the Bible way. She and Joseph 
are looking forward to a future together, but they have left the physical relationship until such a time as they have been joined together in the bonds of holy matrimony. They have honored God, and God has noticed, okay, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David. And the virgin's name, it's emphasized here again, the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Now, uh, we're Baptists this morning. We're not Catholics this morning. We don't worship Mary. We don't recognize Mary as any type of co-mediatrix. We don't get to Jesus by going through Mary. We don't pray to Mary. We don't have statues to Mary. It is, it is, it is unfortunate to say the least that Mary has been given by the most prominent quote-unquote Christian religion because... We've kind of overcompensated and failed to recognize her distinction and her character. Mary is a great woman in the Word of God. Mary was blessed by God. Mary was favored by God. Mary was chosen by God for a most important task, for, for a very exclusive assignment to give birth to God's Son, to have the responsibility of raising the Word made flesh. God favored her. God blessed her. She was a special woman. She was a great woman. She shouldn't be worshipped, but she should be recognized and she should be emulated. Okay? So she was highly favored by God. She was blessed by God. Verse number 29 And when she, Mary, saw him, Gabriel, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Second time that statement is made. And behold, verse 31, Thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. That's going to be repeated to Joseph in Matthew 1. We'll read that in just a moment. Verse 32, he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. No mistaking the identity of the child to whom Mary is going to give birth according to the angel. It's going to be the Messiah. The son of God. The one who's going to sit on the throne of David. The son of the highest. Verse uh, 34, then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. Gabriel, how am I going to give birth to a son? How am I going to have a baby? I'm not married yet, and I'm pure. Joseph and I aren't married yet, and we're doing this God's way. How am I going to... How am I going to bring forth the son? The angel answered her and said to her, verse 35, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So the Mormons have this really twisted, perverted doctrine that Jesus Christ is the product of a physical relationship between God and Mary. That's not what the Bible says at all. 
God took a holy thing, Luke 135, a body that was prepared for God's son, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5, and miraculously, supernaturally planted that, placed that, put that inside of Mary's womb. This is not the product of a physical relationship. This is a miraculous and supernatural and one time in history act. Mary conceived, but there was no man involved. That body was placed inside of her to be the dwelling place, the tabernacle in which God's son would come into the world to accomplish his purpose of Redemption. Verse number 36, Behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. So John the Baptist, six months older than his cousin Jesus. Uh, verse 37, With God nothing shall be impossible. And it's important that verse 37 is in this context. Do you Christians really believe in the virgin birth? Well, if God is powerful enough to create the heavens and the earth by speaking it into existence, then I have no trouble believing he is able and capable, way more than able, to cause a virgin to have a child. If you believe in God, then it's pretty simple to believe in his miraculous dealings. With God, nothing shall be impossible. Verse 38, Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Mary is a great example. Mary is submissive to God's will. Lord, if that's what you want, that's what I want. That's the attitude all of us ought to have. Now come with me to Matthew chapter number one. Uh, the angel Gabriel visits Mary and delivers the news that though she is a virgin, she has been selected by God. Really, because she is a virgin, she has been selected by God and chosen by God for this special task of giving birth to and of raising God's son. But what about her fiancé? What about Joseph? Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. So Mary is not the mother of God. The, the Catholic Church refers to Mary as the mother of God. She's not the mother of God. She was used by God to give birth to the body that the Son of God lived in. Very important difference and distinction. Jesus Christ his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together. That's the Bible order. You don't live together, figure out if you like each other enough to, to stay married. That's not how you do it according to the Word of God. That might be how society does things. God doesn't bless that. God doesn't favor that. God doesn't honor that. And you need God's blessing in your life. So follow the Bible way, not the world's way. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Ghost. Luke 1, the power of the highest shall come upon thee, that which shall be born of thee, it's from the Holy Ghost. Okay, verse number 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately, privately, not publicly, however you pronounce that word. So Mary is a virgin 
but she's pregnant. How many people you think believe that Mary's a virgin? She's with child, but she claims to not have known a man. What is Joseph going to do about that? Now, now Joseph knows. Joseph knows that they haven't been together. And so in Joseph's mind, what's going on here? The angel came to Mary and explained the situation. But now Joseph is going to get the explanation because he's just thinking, I'm... I can't marry her. She's not pure. I can't marry her. She's not who I thought she was, right? Verse number 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. The name Jesus, uh, for Old Testament, Joshua, meaning Jehovah saves. Why is his name Jesus? Jehovah saves. He shall be the instrument whereby Jehovah will save sinful men from their sins. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Same thing Gabriel said to Mary. Art, can you imagine Mary and Joseph having this conversation after Joseph has the dream? That's what the angel told you. That's what the angel told me. We're supposed to call his name Jesus? Yeah, we're supposed to call his name Jesus. They both get the same message. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken to the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. That, that's something to behold. <laughs> that's something to look at. That's something to, uh, to, to, to view with amazement. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. So here, Joseph's a great example. Joseph is a man who is obedient to the word of God. You know, the Lord has some special assignment for you. The Lord has uh, some task that he wants to use your life to, uh, to fulfill, to complete. The Lord has, Lord has a plan for your life. Here's what it's dependent upon. Are you going to be obedient to the word of God. Do you, do you know why Joseph and Mary were selected? Because they were obedient. Because they were submissive. Because they were pure. Um, those, those, those traits, those character qualities, those ought to be emulated by every one of us. Verse 25, knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Here's another important point we need to make. The Roman Catholic Church teaches a doctrine called the perpetual virginity of Mary. That is, she was a virgin and remained a virgin. That's not in the Bible. Jesus was virgin-born. Jesus was Mary's firstborn son. But Mary had several other children. You read later on in the Gospels of Christ's brethren. Some of their names are even given. Guess what? Joseph was their father. Joseph was not the father of Jesus Christ, but Joseph and Mary, after they were married, 
they did come together because biblically that's what husbands and wives do and they did have children so jesus was her firstborn son but then she did not remain a virgin after the marriage okay verse 25 makes that very clear verse 23 call his name emmanuel god with us there it is there is the dual nature of jesus christ it's his deity he's god it's his humanity he's with us on the earth as a human being let's look back at the place where that was prophesied 700 years before in isaiah chapter number seven isaiah seven and verse 14 is the quotation given in matthew chapter number one isaiah seven and verse number 14 The Bible says in Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Many of the modern versions have altered this verse. Some of them have since corrected their mistake. Uh, but many of the modern versions will read, A young maiden will bring forth a son. Well, what kind of sign is that? <laughs> that happens all the time but a virgin to have a son that's incredible that's amazing that is something significant right the lord will give you a sign a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name emmanuel we're not going to put that in the context of isaiah 7 just now we're going to move on uh, with the lesson but here's the quotation given in matthew his name is god with us. Let's look to our notes real quick and fill in these blanks. Um, the dual nature of Jesus Christ is impossible without the virgin birth. And those are the references that we've just studied. What does the virgin birth teach us about Mary? Number one, a true perspective on her character. A true perspective on her character. We don't worship or venerate Mary, but let's have a biblical perspective on who she is and let's appreciate the ways in which god used her and the reasons why god used her she is an excellent example and illustration of number two the importance of purity the importance of purity understand if she were not a virgin she could not have been used by god in this way if she had not been submissive to god's will she could not have been used by god in this way if joseph had not demonstrated obedience to god's word throughout his life he could not have been used by god in this way young people you're searching for god's will for your life you're wondering what it is that god has specially fitted and equipped you to do you 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 want to fulfill uh, your purpose you want god's direction and leading you had best follow mary and joseph's example You'd better place a great deal of importance on purity. You'd better develop a submissive attitude, a humble approach to God's word. You ought to demonstrate unquestioning obedience to whatever it is that God has already given you to do if you want him to give you something more. Why would God show you something else he wants you to do if you're not already doing 
the things that he's clearly uh, said that he wants everybody to do. That's how the will of God works. That's how God's direction works. He's not going to give you the next step until you follow the first step. God doesn't lay the whole thing out from the end of the beginning. God's going to give you instructions one step at a time. And you've got to take this step before he gives you the next step. Now, everything you know from the Bible, are you doing that? That's where you've got to start. And you get that down and you work on that and you and, and you take the right approach. Then God promised he's going to direct you. He'll guide you. He'll lead you. He'll show you. Look, at, look with me, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 19 through 22. Mary is a great example of the importance of purity. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 19. Uh, let's go quickly. The Bible says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that named the name of Christ depart from iniquity. What was the name of Christ? It was Jesus. Why was it Jesus? He shall save his people from their sins. Are we going to claim the name of Christ? Then we better get away from sin. That's what his name means then we ought to demonstrate that with our lives. That's what verse number 19 is saying to us. Verse 20, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood of earth, some to honor, some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, from what? From sin. Purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Young people, do you have a life that God can use? Do you have a heart that God can use? Do you have a mind that God can use? Are you preparing yourself? Are you placing yourself somewhere where God could could take that cup from off the shelf and look at it and say, that's clean. I'm going to put that to use. Take that dish from out of the cupboard. Oh, no, that that one's dirty. That one's spy. That one's, I can't use that right now. You want to be ready for God to be able to use. You need to be clean. You need to be pure. You need to be submissive. Verse 22, flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So that's what the virgin birth teaches us about Mary. What does the virgin birth teach us about Christ? Number one, and I, I messed up the numbering here. I didn't give the first item a number sorry about that number one he was the only person ever born without a human father that's what we mean by the virgin birth of christ let me read to you luke 233 turn there if you'd like luke 233 this is the narrative the account of jesus being left at the temple at 12 years of age mary and joseph three days they don't know where he was and i'm sure that was a very stressful Situation, But the Bible makes this statement in Luke 2.33, And Joseph and his mother. Joseph and his mother. The Bible is very clear to distinguish Joseph's not the father of Jesus Christ. Now, you pick up a modern Bible, it is likely that the modern version will say, And his father and his mother. That's incorrect. Joseph is not Jesus' father. He was virgin born. He did not have a human father. You might call Joseph his Stepfather Joseph raised him, but was not uh, was not part of his origin. Okay, so he was the only person ever born without a human father. Number two, his birth was the fulfillment of prophecy. His birth was the fulfillment of prophecy. Go with me to Genesis three fifteen. This is the first prophecy, the first messianic prophecy in the Word of God, and it involves the virgin birth. Genesis chapter three. 
verse number 15. Genesis 3 and verse 15, his birth, his virgin birth, fulfillment of prophecy, not just Isaiah 14, also this passage. And I will put enmity between thee, serpent, devil, and the woman, and between thy seed, serpent, devil, and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, her seed is a very curious phrase because a woman does not have a seed. The man has seed, but Jesus Christ is not of the seed of man. The statement is that that the seed would be hers because, again, God took a body that He formed and fashioned for His purpose and placed it inside of Mary. When Genesis 3.15 prophesies of her seed is our first glance at this marvelous miracle of the virgin birth. Number three, he was born, Jesus Christ was born without a sin nature. Why could Christ not have a human father? Why could Christ not be of the seed of man? Because everything brings forth after its kind. You are a sinner because you come from your parents and they were sinners. They were, they're sinners because they came from their parents and they were sinners. Ever since Genesis chapter 4, when Adam and Eve have Cain and then Abel and then chapter 5, Seth and sons and daughters, everything brings forth after its kind. So everyone since Adam and Eve enters this world with a sin nature, an ability to do what's wrong, a desire to do uh, what is wrong? You don't have to teach a child how to lie, how to steal, how to cheat, how to be mean, how to be hateful. You have to teach them. You have to instruct them in the ways of truth and of righteousness because each of us have a sin nature. Genesis, I'm sorry, Psalm 51, verse number 5. Christ didn't have a sin nature though. Psalm 51, verse number 5. David, the psalmist, testifies, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin... Did my mother conceive me? The statement here is not that his was an illegitimate birth. It's not that he was conceived out of wedlock. Jesse and his wife, I believe her name is Nahash. I can't remember that uh, Bible trivia fact just now. Her name is given somewhere uh, back in Samuel. But Jesse and David's mother were married. David was the eighth of Jesse's sons. He's, he's not saying it was a sinful relationship that caused me to be born. He was saying, when I was born, I was a sinner. In sin did my mother conceive me. Look at chapter 58 of Psalms. Psalm 58 and verse number 3. The wicked are estranged from the womb. You've been a sinner since you were born. <laughs> they go forth as soon as they be born, speaking Lies. All of us have that kind of birth. Jesus did not have that kind of birth because he was born of a virgin. We believe Lord Jesus Christ be God, manifest in the flesh, virgin born, and all of that leads to the next statement, without sin. So we couple our study of the virgin birth of Christ with the doctrine of the sinlessness of Christ. Four verses, four points, very quickly this morning. 
Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 15. Now, we, we mentioned these truths in relation to Christ's deity and his humanity. Why was it so important that God became a man so that he could die? Why was it so important that Christ Jesus was God so that he could be a sinless offering and sacrifice? We could not have a Savior if he were not God and man at the same time. He could not die for our sins if he were not God and man at the same time. He couldn't be God and man at the same time and die for our sins and be our Savior if he weren't virgin born and without sin. He can't be without sin unless he's virgin born. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews 4 verse number 15. The Bible says, We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, Pivotal phrase, salient phrase, yet without sin. He was tempted, he did not succumb to temptation. He was tempted, he did not yield to temptation. He was tempted, he was not overcome by temptation. He was tempted, but he was without sin. That's why the Lord, 1 Peter 2, 9, knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations. That's why he is able to make a way of escape because he's been there and he's been victorious. And he is your helper this morning. He is your succorer, Hebrews 2.18 this morning. He can help you in your temptation because he's experienced temptation and he knows how to overcome it. He is, number one, he was without sin. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 21. For even here and too were ye called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps who did no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins and his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live in righteousness. By whose stripes ye were healed. His sacrifice, his offering, his death, his bearing our sins in verse 24 is made possible by verse 22. Point number two, he did no sin. He was without sin, Hebrews 4. He did no sin, 1 Peter 2. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. The Bible says, for he, in the context God, hath made him, that's Jesus Christ, he hath made him to be sin for us. God made Christ to be sin. He became sin. He bore our sins. Be sin for us who knew no sin. How could God place my sin on Jesus Christ? How could he be the offering, the sacrifice for sin? Because he knew none himself who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He was without sin. He did no sin. Number three, he knew no sin. And then 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 5. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 5. The Bible says, and ye know that he was manifested. So we're talking about the nature of Jesus Christ, his manifestation, God, man, and divinity, humanity, all wrapped up in one. But here's the purpose. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins. He's the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. How is that possible? And in him is no 
sin. Number one, he was without sin. Number two, he did no sin. Number three, he knew no sin. Number four, there was no sin in him. He was virgin born. He was sinless. He's God. He's man. He's our Savior. Praise the Lord. Okay, the Bible, if you believe what the Bible says, you take what the Bible says for what the Bible means. You interpret it literally. There is no questioning the virgin birth or the sinlessness of Jesus Christ. And it's quite a blessing this morning because without it, we do not have a Savior from our sins and we have no hope of eternal life. But He was virgin born. He was sinless. We do have a Savior. We do have hope of eternal life. We've got every reason to worship Him, honor Him, serve Him, obey Him. And uh, let's follow the example set by uh, the human parents, those given the task of raising the Son of God. Mary and Joseph set a great example. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. It's truth. Uh, God, thank you for uh, teaching us right from wrong, truth from error. Help us, Lord, do what's right. Help us be clean, pure, so that you can use us. Uh, bless the rest of this uh, church service today. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.